The lesson today is the sun embodies divine love. And the background passage for this message, this um, lesson is 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and 1 John chapter 4. Now, in his in his letter known as 1 John, the apostle John was one of Jesus' disciples. And he really encouraged his readers to be on guard against false prophets. His readers really should not be caught up in the worldly errors, but know the spirit, the worldly errors, excuse me, but know the spirit of truth. John then went on to point out to his readers the importance of love in their relationships. This love is rooted in the love of God for his people. Knowing the spirit of truth should lead us to love that looks like God's love for us. Our love for our fellow Christians is rooted in the gospel. Belief in the gospel should lead to love for others, other believers and other people, and really for the whole world. This lesson today examines how Jesus embodies divine love through the saving works of Jesus Christ. We see the nature of love, the primacy of love, and the character of love. While the world is often confused about what love is, God has clearly revealed what love looks like for his people. The greatest act of love the world has ever seen was the Lord Jesus Christ being sent to earth in order to save his people from their sins. The first point today is the nature of love. And we find this in 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 10. Dear friends, let us love one another, because love is from God, and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, because God is love. God's love was re revealed among us in this way. God sent his one and only Son into the world so that we might live through him. Love consists in this, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. The Apostle John directly addresses us here by calling us dear friends. This could also be translated as beloved, more than just a term of endearment toward his readers. This word also introduced the topic that John was going to address, love. John's appeal was that Christians should love one another for two reasons. Love is from God, and love is evidence of one who has been born of God. Now, first of all, love is from God. John, John based our need to love one another in God's nature and his character. God's actions are the ultimate displays of pure love. It's been written that love is fundamental to God's character. Thus, his children must bear the family resemblance. The source of the believer's love for one another is God. Now, the second motivation for loving one another is that genuine love for one another is evidence of being born of God. Love for our fellow Christians is a fruit 
of regeneration. John's statement, everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God, does not mean that belief in Christ isn't necessary. In fact, right before this section, John was talking about knowing the truth about Christ coming in the flesh to earth. If one is born of God, then the love of God has transformed him to have a love for the family of God. In verse 8, John explained how those who lack love have not been changed by the transforming power of the gospel. They are said to not know God. This verse is shocking and should cause Christians to look at the state of their heart and concern for others. God does not love us and leave us in our sinful state. No, the power of the gospel actually transforms us so that we can can and will love one another. What does John mean by God is love? This verse has often been misunderstood and even misused. Some have misused this description of God as a license to live however they please. They dismiss their sinful actions by thinking that because God is love, he will let them live however they want. But God is love means that one of his key characteristics is love. The one true God is a loving God who cares about others. But God is not only loving, he's holy as well. John wrote earlier in this letter that God is light and there is absolutely no darkness in him. In this letter, John was showing that two key showing us two key attributes of God's character. Are, and those two are his love and his light. His love as well as his holiness. John turned from the big picture of God's love to a concrete example of how God's love is actually displayed. Ultimately, in the giving of himself to us in Christ Jesus, John was saying that God's love is revealed among us in the person and the work of the Lord Jesus. Jesus is God's only Son, which shows us his unique identity. There is no one else like him. No one else could be sent on this mission to earth to save us. Notice the purpose for which God sent Jesus into the world, so that we might live through him. God sent Jesus into the world on a mission to bring life through death. John's language here is similar to what we um, know in John chapter 3, verse 16. The love of God is described even further in verse 10. Love consists in this, not that we loved God, but that actually God loved us and sent his Son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. John shows us how, how we who were destined for eternal punishment in hell could have eternal life in Christ Jesus. Jesus came and took upon himself at the cross the punishment that actually we deserved for our sins. The word for atoning sacrifice has also been translated as propitiation. This sacrifice was done in order to bear the wrath and judgment of God. 
Jesus did that for us. Therefore, we should seek to love one another because God has loved us. And it's only through understanding and knowing the costly love and sacrifice of God for sinners that we're able to love and sacrifice like Him as well. The nature of God's love calls us to love one another because God gave of Himself in sending the Son, His Son, Jesus Christ, into the world so that we might have life. We must love one another in a way that reflects this greatest gift of God. The second point of this lesson is the primacy of love, which we find in 1 John chapter 4, verse 11, and then skipping over to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 through 3. Now reading from 1 John. Dear friends, if God loved us in this way, we must also love one another. And now in 1 Corinthians. If I speak human or angelic tongues but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and understand all the mysteries and knowledge, and if I have all faith so that I can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give away all my possessions and if I give over my body in order to boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. Now, in 1 John here, John begins yet another verse by calling his readers dear friends. He was reminding them of why he was writing this section. Our love for others must be rooted in God's love for us. Again, we see how God's love for us transforms us to love others. Love is meant to be a primary mark of the life of a Christian. In light of God's amazing love, we are to love one another. Understanding the great love God has for his people should move Christians to action. When John said, if God loved us in this way, he was calling his readers to think of the way in which God actually loves them. When we think of the love God has for us, we must consider how costly the love of God truly is. Love is not easy, but it is good and right. God's love for believers is not some abstract concept, but it's real, and it includes action. Think about it. When was the last time you pondered the love of God for you? Think of what it costs God to love you. God actually loves us despite our sinful rebellion against him. He loved us despite it costing Jesus his life. When we think of this great cost, we should be moved to love those whom God places in our path and in our lives. Now, 1 Corinthians 13 may be familiar to you because some of the verses of this chapter are often read at weddings. But this really is ironic when considering the original context of the passage. In a wedding ceremony, you have a man and a woman coming together as one. The church at Corinth, however, was full of divisions and hostility toward one another. They were not united because they lacked love for each other. 1 Corinthians 13 is situated in a long section on spiritual gifts that actually started in chapter 12. 
Some Corinthians were causing divisions over the different gifts, saying some were more important than others. Paul wrote this section to show them an even better way. The better and more excellent way is actually to love one another. Instead of fighting over the importance of gifts, Paul said they needed to have love for one another. Paul's call to love is a much-needed exhortation for the church today as well. Much like the church in Corinth, the church today faces all different kinds of division, whether it be political, social concerns, or whatever. The church can easily be divided over a number of important and unimportant issues. So we really must take to heart Paul's call to love. We must not let our differences divide us but we should seek to be united by our common love for Christ and our submission to his word. The call to love is not meant to be a call to compromise the truth of the scriptures. Rather, because of the truth revealed in the scriptures, we are called to love. In verse 1, Paul said our words must not be empty of love. Yes, some may speak eloquently, but if they have not love, they are of no more use than an instrument with no purpose. In verse 2, Paul talked about having all knowledge. He said that even if he knew everything and possessed all the faith needed to move mountains but did not have love, then that knowledge and faith truly meant nothing and were devoid of all worth. Remember what was happening in the Corinthian church. These believers were placing great value and worth on spiritual gifts. However, instead of using those gifts to encourage their brothers and sisters in faith, they were creating a spiritual hierarchy that was dividing the church. The church is united by faith and knowing Christ. And at the center of that unity should be the common love for Christ that transforms us. In verse 3, Paul spoke of taking great action. If I give away all my possessions and if I give over my body, Paul was telling them that they could do all the good in the world and be known for their good works. But if they didn't actually have love, then these actions are meaningless. Thus, we really, <clears throat> this really shows us that we may know much and do much and even taking these steps for the Lord in our minds. But if the love is not our motivating factor, then it's all pointless. As Paul needed to remind the church at Corinth to love one another, we also need that same reminder today. Paul called the believers in Corinth to live a better way by exhorting them to love one another. As followers of Jesus, we should be committed to living this better way as well. The third point of this lesson is the character of love. And we're going to find this in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 7. <clears throat> love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. It's not boastful. It's not arrogant. It's not rude is not self-seeking, is not irritable, and does not keep a record of wrongs. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, 
but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. In this passage, Paul assembled a number of verbs in the Greek, actually 15, to describe the characteristics of love. What can be seen from this section is that love is active. It's not simply a feeling or an emotion. Now, in verse 4, Paul used patience and kindness to describe love. Patience carries with it the idea of waiting and sticking with someone. This patience is often used to describe God's relationship to his people. This means that when something goes wrong in our relationships, and it will, we're not to move on and ignore others, but we're actually to seek to demonstrate this act of patient love. Next, Paul said love is kind. This is the only place this specific verb appears in the New Testament. Due to the loving kindness of God that God has shown us in Christ, we're actually able to be kind toward others. One of the distinctives of the early church was that the kind, their kindness toward those in need, including widows, orphans, or even unwanted infants. The early church's kindness was a defining mark that gave them opportunities to share the love of Christ. Now next, Paul went on to list eight characteristics of what love is not. Love does not envy. This means that we do not think negatively of others when they experience success. Such envy seems to have been at the heart of the Corinthian church's divisions. Instead of being thankful for the gifts that God had granted to other believers, they were actually jealous. Love is not boastful. This can be translated really as vainglory. Love does not seek to boast in a self-glorified way. Love is not arrogant. Love does not seek to be prideful, but it's humble. Love is not rude. This word has a wide, wide, wide range of meanings. It can mean anything from inappropriate sexual behavior to dishonorable actions. Love is not self-seeking. Instead of being selfish, the way of love seeks to serve others. In 1 Corinthians 10.24, Paul wrote, No one is to seek his own good, but the good of the other person. Love is not irritable. Love means we will not be easily angered by others. Love does not keep a record of wrongs. Literally, keep no books on evil. When people are wronged, the way of love does not seek to hold that wrong against them, but seeks to forgive. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness. This could also mean that love does not rejoice over injustice. All of these words help believers understand what love is not. But then Paul turned back to stating what love is in a more positive sense. Love rejoices in the truth. Instead of seeking to spread lies and gossip, love seeks to delight in the spread of truth. Love bears all things. When circumstances get hard, love seeks to be supportive and beat 
and help to bear the the burden of others so that they can beat those circumstances. Love believes all, all things. This does not mean that love is gullible or accepts the idea of believing the best about others. Instead of jumping to the worst conclusion about the actions of others, we should seek to extend a gracious understanding when we have actions that we might disagree with. Love hopes all things. For believers, we should never fall into a fatalistic mindset. We actually have a living hope. Love endures all things. The way of love does not end when something goes wrong, but it continues. Love never, ever gives up. When we read through this passage, it seems impossible to follow. But this passage is not meant to paralyze us in hopelessness. Rather, Paul's words once again point us to the one who loves perfectly, Jesus Christ. The greatest act of love the world has ever seen was the Lord Jesus Christ, going to the cross to die for our sin. Now, that truly is love in action. Now, I want to close this lesson with a voice from the church. Jane Wilkins said, Right love of God is what enables right love of self and others. When we devote heart, soul, mind, and strength to loving God, we perceive ourselves rightly. There's no room for pride or self-exaltation, which prepares us to love our neighbors freely. Rightly perceiving ourselves to be the unworthy recipients of the agape love of God, we become willing to love our neighbor in spite of himself, because God first loved us in spite of ourselves. We do not wait to feel love. Rather, we will ourselves, will will ourselves to act in love, whether we feel it or not. Agape actually transcends our feelings. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you today and we thank you for your love and that you've given us the gift of love on this earth that we as Christians can actually go out and show love to others and and forgiveness love and forgiveness go hand in hand Lord for us to truly love someone we must be willing to forgive them and forget so many times we forget that the key to loving someone might be not simply just to forgive them, but actually to forget and overlook their past sins and trust that they can live for you in the future. Heavenly Father, I just ask you to reach out and just place your loving arms around those who are sick and hurting today and just ask you to restore their hope and restore them physically, mentally, and spiritually, Lord. I just pray that you would be with any everyone who listens to this lesson today, that you would just open our hearts, that we might share the love that you've given us with others. And Lord, I ask you to send the Holy Spirit to us to guide and direct our steps and to just bring the people across our path that need to hear and experience your love. 
for it's in Jesus' precious and holy name I pray. Amen.